16 presents. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Music and Photography Podcast. I'm Billy Sanford, and today my special guest is Penny Ferris. Penny, how are you doing? Hey, Billy, doing good, doing good. How about yourself? Doing excellent. We were just chatting uh, right before we got started. Um, we, we don't know when people will listen to this, but uh, as we're recording it, we're coming up on the holidays, and the cold snap is coming through, so I think we're both uh, kind of bundling up for the for the cold yeah a little on the frigid side up here <laughs> that's right so you and i are both members of the negative positives music facebook group actually which <laughs> is a, a sort of a side facebook group to the negative positives podcast and i think when i was thinking about you know where to start i think at one point somebody had posted a video of jethro Tull. And I think you commented that you played flute in school growing up. Is that right? Yeah, high school. Was, well, actually, I started in junior high. I wanted to be a drummer. Okay. And I, I started out, you know, I was like 10 years old. And, you know, at that time, this is, you know, early 70s. It was, uh, my idol was Karen Carpenter. Okay. And yeah. Like, I didn't know, quote unquote, girls didn't play drums, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was absolutely, I was a huge carpenter snake growing up and uh, I wanted to play drums. And so, right. you know, junior high, you know, it's time to get in the band. You know, this is a really small town. So, you know, we don't have like the big, like a lot of your city do, cities do and stuff like that. You know, all the, the big options for, for music, you know, you got band or choir. That's pretty much it. And right. uh, so I was like, cool, I'm going to play drums. And uh, <laughs> my, my parents are kind of like, oh, that's going to be too noisy. And I was like, <laughs> totally destroyed. And so, oh, no. and then I remembered back to my childhood growing up, my, I had a little neighbor girl, her mom was like in the, we were living in West Seattle and her mom was like in this, like a city orchestra or something. And she played flute and I thought, and it was cool. I, you know, to hear her practice one all stuff like that. And that was like, well, I guess I'll play flute. <laughs> and that's how I ended up playing flute. <laughs> Uh, played all the way through uh, junior high and high school. And then uh, one year in college, I played a little bit of tenor sax, but that was okay. it. Okay. Well, I sort of similar story on my side. I played the trumpet in, in the school band growing up. And for me, it was sort of a, I, I was the youngest grandchild on both sides of my family. And so by the time it got 
time for me to go to school. This was already sort of a family tradition. You know, um, my cousins and my sister, we all went to the same school and they, many of them were in the band prior to me. So I sort of had that influence. And you mentioned your neighbor. Uh, were, were there other family members or anybody that had a musical background before you joined yeah. the band that influenced you? No, my, uh, my, I have one older brother. He's you know quite a bit older and he's 12 years older than me. And he played trumpet in school. I have a vague memory of, um, at one point he was, he was out of the, he was gone. In fact, I think he was actually, um, I think this might've been during, well, it was, it was after Vietnam, but he was, he was gone. He was out of the house. And, uh, mm-hmm. I found his trumpet in a box. It was out in the garage. And I just sat there blowing the thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. But I did make a lot of noise with it. But that, he was the only other person um, <laughs> who had, had any uh, attempted to do anything musically. It's my, my, my older brother and stuff like that. And I've tinkered a lot of different stuff over the years. But, yeah, it was just us. Okay. Well, and you mentioned West Seattle. And, and so just for the listeners, you are in central Washington state, right? Yes, that's correct. We're kind of right in the middle between Seattle and Spokane there. It's kind of a high <laughs> desert area. When people think about Washington and, oh, it's wet all the time. Yeah, no, it's not. We, we get, <laughs> right now, it's it's winter. Right. We are having a winter right now. Right. Okay. Well, and so, you know, probably a lot of listeners will be familiar with one of the notable music scenes that came out of the Seattle area uh, specifically, but, um, you know, the Pacific Northwest in general, the grunge scene yep. that came up out of the late 80s and early 90s. And and as a sort of a lifelong resident of, of the Pacific Northwest, I mean, what, what are kind of your, some of your recollections about the music scene up there as you were growing up? You know, I never really delved too much into it because I left home right after I, right after I got out of high school. But um, actually, I do have the you get into the grunge scene and uh, all of that. There's a actually a local band here that mm-hmm. um, was come up and coming at the same time. Uh, one of the members is uh, actually we went to school together and stuff, and we're still friends. And uh, he had a had a band which some viewers, if they're uh, familiar with that scene, are familiar with a band named Moral Crux. They did an EP a few years ago, and I actually did the, um, we all wandered around town, and I took all the guys' pictures and stuff like that so they could put it on the, the cover of the little sleeves. So. But my ex-husband was a musician, so when we moved up okay. here, um, yeah, he played in a lot of bands and stuff around here, but he teamed up with also with uh, um, some of the guys from Moral Crush, and they started their own band there for a while. I actually ended up being more involved with a um, bar band scene wherever we were okay. living at the time <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> local. So yeah, we did, we did the grungy bar band scene there for a while. Right. Okay. Well, what, what, what was, what was some of that like? What were oh. the bands into at the time? Oh, this, they were more classic rock stuff, you know, Hendrix all the way up through like the, you know, your eighties, nineties stuff. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, it's funny because I could sit there and I could sit there and listen to a radio and I go, Oh Yeah. And it'd be like three songs where I'm going to, okay, yeah, that's a set right there. Um, <laughs> right. You know, classic, you know, the classic rock, you know, your Steppenwolves and your um, Hendrix and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, getting into some of the um, more country rock kind of stuff, stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, we're in a pretty rural area, 
you know, again, so um, we aren't going to see a lot of, we weren't going to see a lot of upcoming hip hop types. So if these guys were influenced a lot by, you know, Hendrix and Rush, uh, metal, right. um, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, and it was pretty typical. The, um, you had five people show up and it was like, yeah, that's a good night. So, <laughs> it was, right. Uh, <laughs> right. Days were right. good. You know, you get the drunk crowds in there, but you know, for the most part, it was just a lot of, a lot of really slow weekends. Um, mm -hmm. The, uh, but I would help them. Um, I used to joke that um, my marriage vow said, and thou shalt be roadie. <laughs> right. Yeah. So okay. we, uh, I, I helped, you know, I used to set uh, one of the other wives. We used to go out and uh, we would actually run the light. Show. Okay. So we did lights and I would kind of help the guy set up the sound um, because I had, I have pretty decent hearing. And I think, you know, most musicians, I think <laughs> at some point they probably start to lose their hearing. So, <laughs> right. Uh, I have really pretty decent hearing still. And, uh, you know, at the time, so I would help them, um, you know, kind of get the mix right and stuff like that and let them know that, yeah, okay, highs are at the nosebleed level. Let's let's, let's bring it down a little bit type stuff. So, right. yeah, we did that, you know, for, for quite a few years. Okay. You mentioned uh, Moral Cracks and, and taking some images for those guys for their EP. What, what was kind of that experience like? Was that on film or digital and... That what digital. sort of okay and did you pick the scenes or did they have things in mind already that they wanted to do well they already had a scene set up basically they needed something they could green screen okay for better description because they were they kind of had an idea what the poses they were and stuff like that so we would just kind of walked around town that turned out and uh, i got my copy of the, uh, the ep here which was kind of my my you know i got the uh pre-copy of the album so <laughs> right <laughs> right okay kind of well, good of, uh, yeah no those guys if you've ever seen um the documentary uh what's it called it's it's on um kurt cobain mixing bleacher or something like that right yeah yeah if you there's a scene that actually shows uh moral crux playing Nirvana. okay back there because when they were playing back in those days and stuff like that so yeah so they uh I don't think they've done anything since probably 2015, I think, something like that. That's when we did okay. that. But yeah, so we just wandered around town. It was a lot of fun. Um, just, you know, got some poses and stuff. And it, uh, you know, it worked out pretty good. So um, kind of hoping to do some more. Uh, they never actually read out and did any more live shows. And I was always working. So, um, right. You know, I was kind of hoping I'd be able to get down, you know, if they were playing the live show or something like that. So I could actually go down and um, shoot them and right. play in but uh, yeah, didn't get a chance to do that. Now I used to do that with my uh, my ex husband's band. Right. The time I had a uh, an A one, mm -hmm. and um, usually a triax, and right. he used a local newspaper. And okay. he was was not a photographer, but he ended up doing the darkroom work because this is long before digital. This is in the uh, mid late eighties and or mid late '80s into the late nineties. And um, so it was, digital has just kind of started to come in, but so, um, which was actually handy, right? Because there were times when I could actually hand him my film and he developed it, <laughs> right? Yeah, so we got, um, or I, I, um, I develop it and he'd run a contact sheet for me and stuff like that. But yeah, so that was a uh, you know little the mixers. But I used to we try to do some promo pictures and stuff like that of all okay. of the band. I've got somewhere around here. I've got a binder full of negatives of you know. 
different band iterations and you know, all the stuff we would do for the promo posters and all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Well, one of the other things that you posted some about uh, during the height of COVID was that uh, you were looking to expand some musically. I think you wanted to start playing guitar, tuning pianos, yeah, uh, that sort of thing. How how did all of that end up going? Well, actually, um, I do. I did buy a picked up a guitar, uh, picked up a banjo. <laughs> oh wow! The piano I got tuned, but it's it's it makes a great photo prop. Taking a couple mm-hmm. really cool pictures. It's a really old upright. It sounds nice. The cheat the the keys are all beat up and everything. I'm at the point, you know, I I tinker with it. Um, I do some electronic drums. Mm-hmm. But I picked up the, um, like a little MIDI keyboard, okay. and because I start doing some, um, you know, like get some, just just something like you know, start playing around with something like some loops or something like that, start putting some stuff together. Right. I'll get focused on something, and then poof, it disappears, and then for months I don't touch it. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've got a pretty good setup. I'm going to be uh, retiring here in a couple of years, within the next year and a half, two years. So at that point, um, I actually plan on spending a lot more time with it. Um, right. I'm going to be doing some traveling. What I kind of have the back plans I have in the back of mind to kind of document my travels, going around, maybe do some sort of YouTube thing, but doing my own music. Okay. So I want to kind of throw everything in there. I want to start playing a little bit with some 8mm. Got a few of those laying around, a few cameras, and start doing some 8mm mixed in with some uh, digital and um, still photography, and then, you know, kind of throw it all together on a little video and throw some music on it, see what happens. Yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, sort of along those lines, uh, starting to talk a little bit about the photography, and you mentioned taking, you know, some images, you know, during club shows back in the day, but just going all the way back to the beginning, how how did you first get interested in photography? I'm not 100% sure. I was always fascinated with it. I remember, you know, as a little kid, we had the old Polaroids. Right. I remember the old peel parts, and you had, you had, you had that, that glue, uh, that stick that had the coating on it, and you would coat the picture. You know, right. I yeah. day. <laughs> and we had a little camera. I thought, and I don't know what it was at the time. I think looking back now, just because I remember the colors, something like one of those little Dianas or something like that back then, back in the 60s. So right. You're, you're looking late 60s something i always kind of wanted to get into and then in high school i had the opportunity to take a darker class and so this is like my senior year of high school so the only thing we had at the time was an, uh, a little instamatic which mm-hmm. at, i i know we didn't have anything else that must have been what i used i don't even think i still have the picture for that or anything but then the instructor who did the dark room he had this picture he had taken of like an old abandoned barn and he'd printed it up and stuff like that. I thought that was probably the coolest thing I had ever seen. And um, I'm still obsessed to this day with abandoned barns. And I think I'm going to blame him. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I got and did some dark room stuff. You know, for some reason that stuck with me. I got um, about a year out of high school, I took some pictures and stuff off and on. About a year out of high school, went to college for a year and then I joined the military. And uh, when I left, my brother handed me his um, little 126 Instamatic to take with me. You know, kind of a cool thing because, you know, he'd taken this to Vietnam to take pictures and stuff. And uh, I took it to Germany with me for my um, on my first station. And pretty soon it was like I needed something bigger. I needed something better. 
And right. I think I made to um, from a from a one twenty six to a I think it was one of the little Pentax one ends of the um, interchangeable lenses, mm -hmm. and I thought pretty cool. And I started taking some pictures and stuff like that, and I was really kind of getting into it and taking pictures of my roommate, you know, trying to do some stuff, and, and um, realized that wasn't doing it. And then I bought a Canon A one, okay, brand new, and uh, I had that camera. I actually ended up letting my ex-husband have it at the end there because um, he was actually working for the newspaper again. He was shooting concerts for the paper. Okay. So, um, and I was kind of at that point going, I let him borrow it and then he would use it more. And I thought that, uh, you know, at this point, autofocus was starting to come out. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Right. So I actually ended up with a, had a, had a Canon Rebel and um, I let him, you know, keep the A1 and, uh, but I kind of started getting into it just gradually it's something that stuck with me, you know, over the years. And then, and then when I got to Germany, I was, um, and I started using the A1 over there, of course, when I bought it there, started mm -hmm. traveling around my, um, you know, I got married, we came back again, like I said, my, you know, husband worked for the uh, newspaper and stuff. And I remembered everything from my darkroom days. And I actually bought a little enlarger and, okay. um, which I actually still, one of those little, um, Omega C700s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still got it down in the base, and um, I just just I just kind of kept at it and kept at it, kept at it. And when I got out of the military, I decided, hey, you know, I want to kind of do this more, but I wanted to get into the darkroom side of it. Right. And I couldn't really have a you know to work. Uh, and when we we both were in the military, we got out. We were in Missouri for a little bit, and that whole another thing into the the whole base thing kind of mixed in there. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's another, another physical um, adventure, I should say. And um, I went to work for a camera store. Okay. And um, so we, and then we, we ended up moving back up here to Washington. But yeah, I was, so I did the uh, worked in a camera store for a while. And this was when the um, Minolta, the X three seventy, the the was it three seventy, and the X seven hundred just came. In. And um, I was selling a lot of those. Right. So I got, you know, I had my hands in that, but I wanted, I was thinking it'd be cool to like do retouching and, and all that kind of stuff and never could find a place to do it. Then digital kind of started creeping in and I wasn't, <laughs> right. and I heard it. I was broke. I was young. I was stupid. Right. I honestly couldn't afford to, you know, really buy film and all that kind of stuff. Um, once right. in a while, I'd film a develop or something like that. But once we got, with my ex-husband, I once we got divorced, well, I was even broke or so. Um, you know, I couldn't exactly go to him to have him develop my film. Then uh, digital came along, and I had to um, move up to, you know, I've just been kind of been playing with it off and on, you know, most of my life. And then move up to 2006, I'd actually bought, in 2005, I'd bought a digital camera. Mm -hmm. And um, I was getting ready to, I was, back, I was back in the military again. I was in the reserves, and we were getting ready to deploy and it was on. They were discontinuing them, so it was a stupid good price. I mean, I think I right. paid at the time it was like five hundred dollars, and oh, they were wow. just like thousands at just around nine hundred, I think. And that was back in two thousand, you know, what four or five, whenever those first came out. So I said, you know what, I'm going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. And it was pretty cool. Came back, and I had an offer from a friend of mine to do some scouting work. And we took that, and it was like, cool. You know, I, it was just a little gig, but it was like three weeks of basically a three-week road trip. Okay. 
with no no real plans. Uh, I just kind of had to go out and you know scout some loops and stuff. And uh, this is just prior to GPS really becoming a big thing. Right. So I'm thinking, cool. I'm gonna get paid. You know, I wasn't being I was being paid to do some scouting work. But on the side, I'm thinking I'm gonna get to take pictures and get paid for it. And so, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. About just a tick under three or ten thousand miles in three weeks. Oh wow! And um, I've got a whole lot of pictures to show for it, and that rekindled everything for me. And it was just like, okay, this is cool. And that's got back to photography, and, and it's only a couple of years later I jumped back into film. Yeah, that sounds like a it was a great opportunity you took advantage of to to kind of get back into it all. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, going back to the, you know, my younger days, of course, like I said, you know, we were uh, broke most of the time. So, you know, you're always kind of flipping through the magazines and you're always drooling over the, uh, oh, I want this lens and, oh, I want this lens and all this stuff. And you know, <laughs> never could, you know, it's just like all I ever had was the Nifty 50. That's all I ever shot. Right. And, you know, of course, you know, when the price is cratered, you know, with mm-hmm. digital and don't, you know, all your analog gear, the price is cratered. And, right. you know, I'm kind of grateful for that because now uh, suddenly I went from, oh, not only can I get this lens, but now the whole genre, different format of photography has now opened up to me. Right. So in that respect, um, the advent of digital really kind of opened up a whole new thing for us. Uh, for those of us who could never afford it, because, you know, I think <laughs> you kind of get into the, uh, especially like, you know, you get the four, four by five, you know, some little format stuff. You kind of have right. in, in your mind of what that kind of, everybody's going to look like animals, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Like, you know, and, and it was just crazy. And uh, it was like, oh, that's cool, you know? And, you know, I like, you know, I like digital. I still, of course, I still see digital. I love digital. But I also realized I want to, you know, and that we know how everybody jokes says, "Yeah, slows me down." Well, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a twist on that. I want to learn the craft, right? You know, yes, it does slow you. That's, that's an easy way of saying it. But I actually wanted to take time to really learn what I was doing, mm-hmm. and I felt that to do that properly was one of the reasons I went back to did uh, back to film is because I think that the reason one of the big things is to go back and really immerse myself on the analog side. Right. No, that makes sense. And you've, you know, when you were on Embrace the Grain a little while back, you were talking about uh, some of the cameras that you've been using and it sounded like you had built up a nice little uh, collection. So what, what yeah. all, I mean, and it was 35 mil and medium format and, and four by five, like you mentioned. So what, so what are kind of some of the ones you've been using more recently? Oh, um, last, let's see, this summer I purchased a uh, baby graphics three with a six by nine. It came with, with the uh, six by nine roll film holder on it. That was kind of like, okay, now I've got my six by nine. That's kind of a, like, that was cool. I hadn't shot it much, <laughs> but I absolutely, I mean, the rangefinder looks to be pretty good. Um, and so I was actually really excited to get my hands on that. It was a decent price. So I've got, um, I like my four by five. I've got my, I got a three and a quarter, four and a quarter, uh, the baby two by three. And then I've got a monorail four by fives. I've got a um, Chroma four by five. 
and I need to get that thing out and shoot it some more because that is uh, absolutely awesome. I love it. Right. Um, got my RB67. I've been shooting my Mamiya. I've, I've become a Mamiya fan. My C3 TLR. Um, mm-hmm. I've really um, been shooting a lot. And I've picked up a 645, the 1000, okay. I believe it is. And right. of course, my RB67. Okay. So that's that Canon all over the place. Uh, right. Of course, I, yeah, still can't digital and film. Um, I, on the digital side, just picked up an R6. So that's going right. to be a long, because I'm going to be able to do some good wildlife, you know, type stuff. I like shooting wildlife and birds and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, right. That's um, a good all around. We'll do everything I want. And I want to upgrade it at any time soon because it, it ticked all the boxes for me. Right. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that because, of course, on the digital side, things are, you know, we, I think COVID probably slowed it down a little bit, but we were already kind of into this whole DSLR to mirrorless transition that was happening on the digital side. And of course, the R6 is one of uh, Canon's more, you know, uh, I, I guess it's been out a couple of years now, but it's still, a, you know, new technology. And the little bit I have played with mirrorless, just, you know, it was that getting used to an electronic viewfinder instead of optical and you know but it's it's great right because you can see you can see like exactly what your exposure looks like if you're too dim or too bright or whatever i think in the early on there was a little bit of lag in those electronic viewfinders but i think they've probably gotten better but just you know, that's just the little bit I know about it. But as someone who has been using it, kind of what's been your experience with mirrorless in general uh, and the R6 in particular? Yeah. In general, it's gotten better. Um, my first one that I picked, because I wasn't sure um, I wanted to make that switch either. And just for fun, I picked a fairly cheap little, um, at least it was cheap at the time. I just looked at prices again. It's like, oh, my God, maybe I'm going to sell it. Uh, the, <laughs> the Fuji, the X100, the original. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, this is, you know, I've gone out and played with it and it's like, this is actually a pretty cool little camera. Mm-hmm. And um, so two Christmases ago, I got a killer deal on Sony a 7 and I bought an adapter so I could put lenses on it and stuff like that. So I, I couldn't pass it up. It's one of those, okay, take my money. Pretty happy with it. I mean, it's, it takes some great pictures, but I was having some problems with the, um, Especially like with my Sigma 100 to 400 zoom lens, my can with the adapter and stuff like that. It was I was having some shutter problems and stuff like that. So it's like, ooh, do I want to upgrade again? Do I want to go DSLR, whatever? And then I just because my my thing was wait till the camera was being discounted because it was being replaced. Because now it's like every six months it seems like, oh, we're gonna upgrade this and it's gonna get better and you got a new you know, you know it's like camera manufacturer to put down your camera like people change their underwear right so i decided this time i'm going to buy brand new new technology and everything because usually i'd wait a couple years go by it's like okay now i can get this one at a better price because it's now been like i can get a mark two because we're now like mark four mark five you know and i said not this time i'm not going to do that one of the things i could do for wildlife street for travel for you know pretty much everything and um, right. that's the R6 came in. 
mostly because you know with they've got the the IAF for doing wildlife wildlife tracking, and okay. that was one big push for me right there. Um, the EDF on it, getting back to that, is um, really nice. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's way better than either my Sony A7 II or, and obviously the Fuji, because that's some, you know, that's early technology. Right. I actually find myself in a lot of respects on it, especially like if I'm out doing travel street type stuff. I'm still kind of treating it like a um, analog. Okay. If I can adjust, in the, I've got the button, I can change my shutter speed, my aperture, the ISO performance now of the uh, the new digital cameras is too crazy. So, but right. you know things like ability to see what you're doing in good quality as you're looking through the viewfinder. Because I am definitely one of those people I like looking through a viewfinder still, right? And not right. back of a screen, that kind of <laughs> I, that that you know I'm I'm old school. You know it's like what do they say three points of contact, right? You know. You know, that's, you know, and people are out, you know, when I see somebody's holding a camera, you know, three feet, you know, arms linked out in front of them and going, three points of contact. <laughs> it's just, you know, <laughs> get the camera to your body. It's going to shake, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, right. but this, you got some good camera, you got some stabilization in there, you know, the, the pretty much the whole package. So, right. yeah, I've been happy with it. And I've actually, it's funny because I bought it. But I've been out shooting so much film, I was feeling guilty because I bought <laughs> wasn't shooting it. So I've been actually been shooting it a little bit more lately just to, to make myself feel better for spending all that money. Right. I understand. I understand. So on the film side of things, I mean, it's it's been a, you know, 2022 wow. has been a pretty good year for film. We've gotten some new emulsions to come out. Uh, have you had a chance to play around with any anything new recently that you enjoyed not well i just popped a roll of the um of a metropolis i've had sitting around and i got probably i know i've got four rolls of color now i'm to the point where it's like okay i can afford to buy the chemicals now it's like it'll make because i figured three rolls and off the belt about the cost of cost by the chemicals and i'm right. sitting on four rolls. It's like okay i need to go buy some chemicals um, <laughs> But um, I've got I bought some of the turquoise. Okay. Normal turquoise. And I'm actually looking forward to. I did shoot that. I have a roll of that. That's one of the ones I'm making to to uh, do. I went up here um, not too long after I got it. Uh, I had a stake with the dogs for a walk, and there was kind of a crazy little scene. Um, I actually posted it on my Instagram. I took a cell phone shot of it and threw it out there, and um, it was a pumpkin on a concrete barrier. Some this is like like three weeks after Halloween, and um, it was just kind of this bizarre thing. And I was like, and I just look around. And I was like, oh, I need to I need to go home. So I took the dogs home, and I came home, and I loaded up the film. Um, and I think I did 120 with that, and I put it in the C3. And uh, so I've got it here to develop too. So looking forward to actually getting that done. See how that turns out. Right. Yeah. It's, it seems like a lot of people have enjoyed playing around with that. It does give you some, some cool effects. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the digital helps out with the nature stuff like birds in flight and that sort of thing with the, 
with the eye out of focus on the, on the film side, of course, where you want to be, you know, you can't just be rattling off, uh, you know, bursting <laughs> hundreds of shots. You want to be a little bit more deliberate. Yeah. Um, and you, and you mentioned you live sort of in a rural area. What, what are some of the, uh, scenes you like for your film work? You know, um, we've got some, we've got some pretty unique, um, geology up here. Mm-hmm. A lot of basalt rock formations. Um, it's a high desert. Unfortunately, I've got a lot of sagebrush. Um, right. Sagebrush is so entertaining. I tend to shoot, and I don't know, maybe somebody can explain why I think some of us photographers tend to do this. Why do we like to shoot dead trees? Um, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I've got, we got a little airport and I, I take the dogs up. It used to be a, a old military base, World War II, and everything's pretty much been raised the ground. There's just the old foundations. The roads are all grown over, but there's still trees dead, right. of them partially alive. You know, it's just all pretty much overgrown up there. And there's, um, it's kind of fascinating up there's been, I've actually had a lot of fun taking some pictures up there. Mm -hmm. The, um, and it's, it's a pretty good, uh, example of, how things change when you least expect it. A couple of my favorite shots that I was taking up there, I went back up, I was walking the dog, and I was like, wait a minute, this is gone, you know? And all of a sudden you realize that, you know, they'd done some changes or something, like some improvements of the roads, and all of a sudden, you know, something I was taking a picture of, you know, six months ago is now gone, just poof, and it'd been right. there for decades, poof, it's gone. But, you know, I like, you know, we've got some pretty good wildlife up here, a lot of deer, eagles, mm -hmm. if I I've uh, got you know, done my share of some eagle shots. But yeah, landscape wise, we've got a lot of lakes and stuff like that. Um, I like doing macro work. Okay. Getting to the point where I can get set up, I've got a bellows, mm -hmm. cannon that I can do. Are you uh, using the the digital and macro for scanning, or do you use a flatbed, or how how do you digitize your film work? I've got an Epson V seven hundred, which is what I've been using bought one of those digitalizer right and uh so i bought one of those and um i packed with that's what i'm using the sony a7 II for and i put my 90 millimeter macro on it okay i'd like to try to get a little because it's not enough of it filling up the frame of course it's full frame so it's a bigger sensor i've had good with it so far and i've um kind of played with it a little bit so i'm looking forward to you know doing it because uh that little holder will do 120 and 35 okay which is kind of what I need because that's primarily what I do. And I can still use my flatbed for um, four by five. It seems like a common theme for the people I've talked to who are into music and photography or also into other hobbies. Any any other interests that you have? Get my truck for uh, camping mm -hmm. and for, for some long-term travel and stuff like that. So when I, my, um, when I do get retired and start traveling with the dogs, get it all built up and uh, ready to do so. Trying to get some camping in there too, so some off-grid type stuff is what I want to be able to do. So, right. Um, and that's all going to, of course, tie in with the, the photography, you know, at some point. And it's like, right. that's going to make me scale down. Like, I can't take everything with me. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Build places for cameras. You're there. I want a trailer just for my photo view. <laughs> that's right. Well, that'll be fun. And I can't, I can't wait to see what all uh, you're able to capture out there on the road. Yeah, there's, you know, there's really, that's, you know, when I did that map, the you know, one thing that I got out of that is basically what inspired me to do this. It's like, this is what I want to do. There is so much cool stuff out there. And it's not even, it's just getting off the freeway. Mm -hmm. Just go out there. 
You know, and I, you know, I don't care if you, you know, you're here in the states, you know, or wherever you're at. And you know, I always like to say, um, I don't spend my money on gas; I spend my money on gas. Right. So, um, you know, it's the uh, back roads. There's just some really cool stuff out there. You know, and of course, you know, you get, you know, the little tiny towns. There's the ones that are forgotten. There's so many little tiny towns all over, and nobody ever goes there. Right. They just, you know, in there for the most part. But you know, there's. You know, for me, that's fascinating. It's the travel part of it's just what's on the way. Right. You know, instead of, you know, getting from point A to point B, it's like, you know, what's in between? And I've just, you know, I've gotten a chance to, you know, seen so many cool things just by doing that, just driving around. Even locally here, there's, I mean, honestly, there's like places it's like, oh, I haven't been. Um, <laughs> um, when I went down to um, a couple, was it two weekends ago, I think, two, three weekends ago, I went down to, um, had to drive down to Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I decided to stop. I'm one of the, I had a little side trip. It's like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to stop and do this. I haven't checked this out. I got some time. And I stopped. You know, I have made that trip. I can't say how many times. You know, probably 100 times. And I never stopped. Right. You know, and uh, sure enough, I actually found something to take a picture of. I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you know. And it's like, found an abandoned re- well, restaurant that had shut down and everything like that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And so I'm like all excited. Well, first thing I did was grab the uh, the R6 and God, rookie, rookie, rookie mistake. <laughs> no key card. Made sure I had my battery, had everything ready to go. Got the SR card in there. It's like, oops. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> grab the A1, finished off a roll of, uh, had some 22, I think, in it. Okay. And finished that roll off. And then it was out the spawn, grabbed a few more shots. And then I actually stopped on the way. I bought an SD card while I was there. I stopped at Target. And when I got there where I was going, and uh, actually took a bunch more pictures on the way home. But then it was like, oh, man, that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. so, but I stopped, you know, on the way home. Um, you know, a couple of other little side trips. It's like, you know, I've never really stopped spending time, you know, what's down there. Um, right. So, um, you know, that, that to me is fun. I mean, that's kind of like, I just, you know, find a side road, find a back road, just go see what's out there. Because um, you just never know what you're going to see. That's right. That's right. And I think that's, I think that's probably some great advice to, to wrap up on, Penny. I, I sure do appreciate your time and, and sharing your story with, with all of us. And so how can, how can people get in touch or follow along with, with some of those adventures and what you've been up to? Oh, um, well, thanks, Billy. Again, I appreciate it. Uh, find me on Instagram and F-Stops forever. And okay. um, I've got a fur on there. Uh, um, I think it's under Pixel Geek and then my name, Penny F. That's okay. P-E-N-E, like the pasta. And, right. um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, a couple of Facebook groups, um, usually like negative pauses. I, um, I tend to spam a lot of them with my stuff. So um, those are probably three big places you'll see, uh, see me in my work at the time. At least for now. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Penny. Cool. Well, again, thanks again, Billy. Thanks again to Penny Ferris for taking some time out to share some of her experiences with music and photography. Please do check out the show notes and give her a follow. The theme song Timeless from Mike Gutterman is available along with all sorts of music for productions at his Bandcamp page, 
please give him a follow at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com and check out the cassettes he's now offering also. If you have an idea you'd like to explore via podcast, you can get in touch with Sunny16 at sunny16presents at gmail.com. And as our friend John Whitmore might say, always try and be a decent human being. 